This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Because who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and uh, And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. Okay, my name is Asad Jaffrey. I'm currently residing in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm a global arts organizer and artist myself. And I was recently just in Chicago as the director of arts and culture for Iman, the inner city Muslim action network. Let's go ahead and start with Philippe's Bible, or Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. I was a huge Wu-Tang fan uh, in high school, and I remember being really excited every time one of the members dropped an album. And 1995, I believe, is when the Jizza or Genius dropped Liquid Swords. And the entire album was just kind of one of my favorites at the time, from the artwork on the cover, the martial arts references, the chess references, and I just felt like there was a whole bunch of knowledge in that CD. I thought there were secrets in it. You know, I was really, really into it. And I, and I felt like just that the music in itself really affected my life. But there was a song, Bible, and it was weird because I knew it wasn't the Jizza, but it, I don't think Killer Priest was listed as the person on the song, even though it's just entirely his song, basically, but on that album. So it was kind of like an additional, I guess, bonus to me that this song would be included on that album. So I remember listening to that song in particular and just feeling like it had so much knowledge in just that one song. And it had this feeling that was kind of melancholy. It was kind of a little bit sad, but at the same time, it just had so much wisdom in it that it, it, it was inspiring as well. I was probably 14 or 15 listening to it with my, with my little brother and just thinking that, man, this guy for the priest is dropping it right now. The knowledge is wisdom. This goes back when I was 12. I loved to all right, but I was trapped in hell. Had mad ideas, sad eyes and tears. Years of fears, but yo, my foes couldn't bear. I searched for the truth since my youth and with the church since birth. But it wasn't worth the loot that I was paying, plus the praying. I didn't like staying because of busy bodies and dizzy hotties. That the preacher had souped up the lies, had cooped up looking at new button thighs. During the service, he swallowed up the poor. And after they heard this, they wallowed on the floor. But I ignored and explored my history that was untold. And watched mysteries unfold. So it's Bible, obviously, has some kind of spiritual reference to it. And it's basic instructions before leaving Earth. And to me, it's honestly kind of a criticism on organized religion. And so I was really feeling the wisdom that he was dropping there, where he was trying to be somebody who's really spiritual, but at the same time critiquing the way organized religion is played out, right? Something like that the preacher had souped up the lies, right? 
looking at new buck and thighs to me is like, okay, so you're kind of criticizing the clergy. He was even criticizing those who pray on carpets, you know, which I guess would be the spiritual path that I'm on. And it was all good with me because I was like, you know what? He's really just questioning things for himself, right? You think about the chorus, basic instructions before leaving earth, life is a test. And through my research, I felt the joy and the hurt. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So he's basically saying, look, I'm acknowledging that life's a test. There's this whole quest that I'm on. I feel joy and I feel hurt when I find out things, whether it's like this universal truth that I'm finding out or if I'm just finding out that people can be really messed up and flawed. And then he's like, look, even though we might be struggling right now, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So it's okay if corrupt folks are in power right now because eventually we'll get what's due to us. It dropped the jewel like Solomon, but never follow me. Cause if you do, your brain is more hollow than space oblivia or the abyss with no trace trivia left with the hiss. Does it pay to be deaf, dumb, blind? From a slave, he was kept from the mind. And from the caves, he crept from behind. And what he gave was a sect of the swine. When the Bible, they condemned the pig. I don't mean to pull your hems or flip your wigs. But we used to wear a turban, but now we're in the urban. To me, all that wisdom in one song, and somebody really just questioning that out loud, and having the kind of disappointment that you might feel, feeling distant from something like that, and at the same time, still having that attachment kind of really spoke to me because I was like, man, I'm this young kid in high school. I moved to the U.S. four or five years prior to that because of a war that broke out in the, in the Middle East. I am a Muslim and I know that there's a spiritual aspect of my life as well. I'm really into hip hop music. I question a lot of things. I argue and debate with people. And this guy's basically just saying all this on a song that has my head bobbing at the same time. And I can really feel what he's saying. And even though I may not agree with every word he says on that, I still agree that we should be questioning this and trying to teach other people. And, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about teaching his nephew, you know. And, and he's even making like some political statements based on some morality issues. And like I said, I may not have agreed with him with everything what he was saying at the time and even now, but I still feel the power of the song because I felt it had passion and that knowledge with him. Religion did nothing but divide the basic instructions before leaving Earth. The, the interesting thing about hip-hop for me at that time in my life was like probably any teenager, I was trying to figure out who I was. My story was complex because I was born in Kuwait. I was born as a U.S. citizen, but my family wasn't from Kuwait. My dad was born in India, raised there, migrated to Pakistan. My mom was born and raised in Pakistan. My father was in the U.S. for 13 years before moving to Kuwait. So like my whole who am I type of thing was really complex. And so I started holding on to certain things. Hip-hop was one of them. Martial arts and the practice of martial arts was another. And then spirituality was a third. So with a group like Wu-Tang, I felt like all of those kind of came together. You had the martial arts references to the Shaolin Kung Fu movies. Obviously, it was a hip-hop group. And then you had this kind of pseudo-reference to spirituality, five percenters, Islam. And with Killer Priest, I think he hit it head on, not just in jargon, not just in like the peace gods, not just in, you know what I mean, the mathematics, but he just kind of like questioned it and put it out there. Which at some point in my life, I felt the same way. 
Why am I following this? Is it just because my parents tell me to do it? Is it just ritual? Do I really believe in what do I really believe in? And more importantly, is it okay to question that out loud without being criticized by whoever you're around? I stroll through the books of Job to unfold and open Bibles instead of hoping on revivals. Calling on his name and screaming hallelujah. When he hallelujah, that's how the devil fooled you. See, look into my eyes, brethren. That's the lies of a reverend. Why should you die to go to heaven? The earth is already in space. The Bible I embrace. A difficult task I had to take. I studied to my eyes were swollen and only a rose went I found out that we were the chosen I deal with the truth and build with the youth and teach my son as he kneels on the stoop son life is a pool of sin corrupted with foolish men and women with wicked minds who build picket signs the legal lies abortion the evil eye extortion I quit son with my wisdom it wasn't like oh I listen to hip-hop because there's so much reference to Islam it was the other way around I love hip-hop for sure hands down and then as I got deeper and deeper I was like man Everyone's either referring to Islam, is a Muslim, or there's some section of Islam in there in some way. So when someone like Guru from Gangstar starts the song by saying, I self, Lord and Master, to me, automatically, I'm like, man, that's Islam. Or, you know, when they break down the word Allah, different things like that. It was just really intriguing to me. And I, and I felt really like, hey, I may feel different in this country, but there's something I connect to automatically. And that's the references to Islam that, that folks have. And I still remember being in middle school, so before this Philip Priest album, and the kids in high school were kind of trying to claim different sets and gangs, right? It was beyond my understanding or whatever. I didn't really care about it. But, but they were the cool kids, right? And eventually, when Spike Lee's Malcolm X came out, those same kids started rocking X hats and saying, Assalamu Alaikum. And to me, I was like, okay, word. This is something I relate to, and I can be a cool kid as well, you know? Myself, Lord and Master, shall bring disaster to evil factors. Demonic chapters shall be captured by kings through the storms of days after. And to the earth from the sun through triple darkness to blast you with a force that can't be compared to any firepower. For its mind power shared, the brainwave causes vessels to circulate like constellations reflect at night off the lake. Word to the Father and Mother Earth Seeking everlasting life through this hell for what it's worth Look, listen, and observe And watch another sea cycle pulling my peeps to the curb Heed the words, it's like ghetto-style proverbs The righteous pay a sacrifice to get what they deserve In the U.S., nobody knew what Kuwait was Nobody understood that somebody could be from another country Born in, the, in Kuwait but still be a U.S. citizen Like all of this was a foreign concept to 10, 11, 12-year-old kids the other complexity for me was being raised in Kuwait as somebody from South Asia isn't easy either because you get discriminated for that. Although my father was a professor teaching at the university, a lot of the people coming from that part of the world are like the laborers and kind of in very lower working class folks, so others will discriminate against them. I tried to tell people I was American because I had the citizenship thing, but people would look at me and be like, no, you're not. Uh, you don't look American. Because, of, of course, the concept is, is different internationally. So being able to relate to something like hip-hop and the fact that they related to Islam, to me, was like my secret, my secret past or something. It was like, look, I know the knowledge that they talk about, which is more important than any of the, the flashy stuff, right? I can go buy the Nautica shirts that Wu-Tang is wearing, or I can go get me some Wallaby Clarks. Anybody can do that, right? But I also know what they're talking about when they say this, this, and this. And this. I was raised like a Muslim, 
brand to the east. Nature of my life relates rhymes I release like a cannon. Cause I've been planning to be ramming what I wrote straight on a plate down your throat. So digest as I suggest, we take a good look at who's who while I'm reading from my good book. And let's dig into every nook and every cranny. Set your mind free as I slam these thoughts. And just like a jenny goes bow, you're gonna see what I'm saying now. You can't be sleeping, cause things are getting crazy. You better stop being lazy. There's many people fronting. And many brothers dropping, all because of dumb things. Let me tell you something, I've been through so much that I'm such a maniac, but I still act out of faith that we can get this together, so I put The interesting thing is, growing up in Kuwait, I thought it was a utopia, okay? So even though I'm like kind of criticizing my experience there now, growing up there for 10 years, my father worked at a university, and Kuwait has an extremely wealthy government, obviously from oil. So any, a lot of things are government-owned, and if it's government-owned and you're working for them, you're basically taken care of. So the apartment that my family lived in was provided by my father's job. It wasn't like he had to go out and rent one as well. The furniture in it was also provided and it would be like renewed every so often. We also got five free tickets on Kuwait Airways that was also owned by the government to anywhere in the world every year. While my father was on his three month vacation, we would go travel, you know, so life was not bad. We lived on a college campus type of thing. I thought everything was cool and easy, you know, we were living a, a good life. The thing that I didn't realize that my parents did is that that's not the place that you can continue to be. You can't, it's not like the U.S. where you can come and immigrate, get your citizenship eventually, or at least your green card, that whole pathway. The only reason my dad was able to do that is because he had a PhD and he was a professor, right? If somebody else from the region of the world that we come from, South Asia, was coming, they would probably be like laborers, maids, servants, things like that. and not being Kuwaiti ethnically, you cannot become a citizen. So I could have been there for generations and still not been a citizen of that country. That also causes some racism. I don't know why people would make fun of me back then, but I kind of realized it now. And they would say things like, oh, you said that like a Pakistani says it. And I'm thinking like, but I've never lived in Pakistan. How would I, you know what I mean? Coming here to the U.S. because of the Gulf War, the first Gulf War uh, is when Iraq invaded Kuwait. My family was actually on vacation in Pakistan. And we had just left Kuwait the day earlier and we turned on like CNN and we saw like tanks rolling through. It was a really crazy experience and we just didn't go back because we didn't know what was going to happen. So we were just on vacation for like less than a month, had our stuff with us and just left everything. We stayed in Pakistan for a couple of months and then came to the U.S. because our parents, one, we were citizens, so it was an easy move. And two, they wanted better education for us. So they didn't want us to just be in Pakistan. But I will say that Almost every year while we were in Kuwait, we would come to the U.S. as well because my father had lived there for 13 years. All, all my, a lot of my extended family on my father's side was in the U.S. already. So it's not like I came to the U.S. in 1990 fresh, never having been in this country before, eyes open. I had been coming since I was a kid. Day to night and night to day. It's all hard work and no play. More than 
combat It's far beyond that Cause I got a kill or be killed kind of attack Areas mapped out for be no strategy Me and my platoon make a room wherever we go But what are we here for? Who's on the other side of the wall? Somebody give the president a call But I hear warfare scream through the air Back to the battlegrounds, it's war, they declare A desert storm, let's see who wins supreme Something like Monopoly, a government scheme Go to the army, be all you can be Another dead soldier, hell no, not me So I start letting off ammunition in every direction A law is my only protection I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, Bolingbrook My father actually lived in Chicago too in the 70s My family was there till The extended family was there till sometime in the 80s So we would visit them there And then when we moved, they were in Bolingbrook it was, it was intense and uh, I remember them giving me like a counselor in fifth grade to talk to about it. But I was so young that, and I don't think she knew what she was doing either. So we never really had any real conversations about it. But I knew that they had done something special for me. And so it, there were so many different things happening. One, I left my home not knowing that I was going to be leaving it, right? So that's the abruptness. And it's based on war, right? So you don't know what's happening. Uh, you don't know where your friends are. Some of our own family friends were injured, hurt. You know, we didn't know how they were going to be doing. So, so it wasn't like a good time by any means. And then you live, you leave this life. All my parents, like bank accounts, everything were frozen. So we come and we start living with our cousins. My cousins were like in their 20s. They had this townhouse. There were six of us in our family. So we all just came and started living with them for a year. So for me, it was kind of like, man, this is very different. Like I'm like now cramped up living in a basement with my brother and it just feels like I'm living a completely different life. We don't know what we're going to do. My parents seem like they're broke all of a sudden, you know, and my mom is looking for a job. My dad is like looking for something. There's a struggle in this culture shock where, yeah, I could speak English, but my English was a lot different than American English. I remember the spelling bee I was in in fifth grade and I got out for spelling like behavior because I spelled it with an O-U, which is the British way. And, I, and nobody here explained to me why there was a difference. And I kept thinking like, man, I know I spelled it right, but they, you know, but I'm out anyway. Here in the U.S., I don't think there was this idea of you can't be American. It was just like, we know you just came here. We know you're different and you look different, right? And we're kids and we like to be cruel and pick on each other. So we're going to pick on you too, just like we pick on everybody else. At first, I think they thought I was the cool kid, right? Because I had this story to tell. But then I lost those, those graces, I guess, eventually. And I think the difference here was you're different. There are some stereotypes. So like I think in middle school I was called Aladdin or Gandhi. And then the Muslim thing became an issue too. Where in Kuwait, there were so many Muslims that that would never be an issue. Here, being Muslim became a problem. So I remember growing up, I did not want to be Pakistani or Indian because it meant you smelled of curry and you know what I mean? Like all these jokes. So I hated that part about my identity. And I also didn't like being Muslim because I felt like that came along with it. The Muslim thing changed because of the Malcolm X movie and hip hop, so that was cool. But honestly, I was like, man, I, just, I would rather be black or Puerto Rican because it's still people that are, don't have it well, but they're cool, you know what I mean? But the Pakistanis or the Indians, they're just like nerdy kids, you know what I mean? I don't relate to them.
and like the lift. For no reason at all, I can't recall it. Throw a season in my face. Down the hall, I'm kicking it in the back of the school, eating chicken at three. Wondering why is everybody always picking on me? I tried to talk and tell them, till I did nothing to deserve this. But when it didn't work, I wasn't scared, just real nervous and unprepared. To deal with scrapping, no doubt. My pappy never told me how to knock a knock an out. But now in 95, I was surviving some man on my own. Back around with fat lip, yes, she give moan. I'm not trying to show no macho is shown, but when it's on, when it's on. I hated my hair too. It was really deep. Because I was like, man, my hair is too straight, or, you know, like, I just don't like the way it looks. So, me and my brother, we'd have a bald fade. And then, you know, the outfits we would wear, we were just really into hip-hop. And we were in underground hip-hop, right? We would order mixtapes from New York, from all the, all the DJs. And so, eventually, we became the kids in school that had the coolest new fashion. I knew about all these hip-hop acts. And it was like, okay, now we're cool. And people didn't know where we were from or who we were. They thought we were Puerto Rican. The gang members thought we were Latin Kings. People thought we come from New York. And this was a couple of years later, but it's like we assimilated through hip hop and kind of and made our way, you know. Cause all you see is boards, but you never see the cracks You're on the right side, but you walk the wrong tracks Plus the people who rule you are worse than rats These self-proclaimed self-righteous people Be using your tax money for everything called evil And you just shut your eyes cause you hate reality Like those coward dumps, old engineering immortality Parliamentarian stupids, be talking revolution What's we'll supply in our streets, be drugs and prostitution Stupids, hope be socializing with rats Who ain't given a chance, will shoot a hole in their backs And it took a long time for me to come back to being like, you know what? I love being from South Asia. I love the Indian heritage, the Pakistani heritage, and I'm, and I'm proud of it. And so now I make it a point to talk about that. The music from there, the traditions, my Muslimness, sect of Islam that I belong to, the spirituality behind it, all of that is really, really important because I realize that if I don't do it, then those stereotypes are going to continue. And so I have to be one of those people that say, look, I, my parents are from Pakistan and from India. I am Muslim. I am Shia. I was born in another country. I was born in Kuwait and grew up there. All these different identities that I am, I have to bring to the forefront so that people understand that it's not all how you think it is in the media or whatever else. And I have to kind of be proud of that. So, because my parents did a great job in raising me, I feel, and I have to do a great job for the next generation and those around me as well. To read, write, and act. It's like teaching a dog to be a cat. You don't teach white kids to be black. Why is that? Is it because we're the minority? Okay, so the next song is I, I put down KRS one, but technically it's Boogie Down Productions. Why is that? An interesting song because I wasn't introduced to KRS one as Boogie Down Productions. I was introduced to him as his in his solo career. And I think the first song I ever heard from KRS was Sound of the Police, which uh, I think is like '93. I probably heard it in like around that time, eighth grade or so, seventh grade. And then after that, it was like rappers are in danger and songs from that album, and MMCs act like they don't know. But I think around like maybe 95, 96, I started hearing older stuff from Boogie Down Productions. And that stuff blew my mind. Before it just sounded kind of old and I didn't like it. And I, I was just like, ah, whatever, this is the old school stuff. It doesn't sound as good. The production is kind of lame and they're wearing funny, funnier clothes than they do now. Genesis chapter 11 verse 10 explains the genealogy of Shem. Shem was a black man in Africa. If you repeat this fact, they can't laugh at you. 
Genesis 14 verse 13. Abraham steps on the scene. Being a descendant of Shem, which is a fact, means Abraham too was black. Abraham born in the city of a black man called Nimrod, grandson of Ham. Ham had four sons. One was named Canaan. Here, let me do some explaining. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons for real and these were the children of so the thing with why is that that was so good is again kind of building on the killer priest this time krs1 to me was coming 110 percent full throttle knowledge unapologetic almost like i don't even care what this sounds like even though it sounds pretty good i'm giving you this knowledge and beating you over the head with it right and this one was more about race really and taking it into again like a biblical kind of spiritual thing so he's he's talking about lineage in the bible right and like how people were described where they were who were they cool with who they passed as and it's basically saying look black people you got to be strong we come from a great lineage and here's the proof i'm going to give you the knowledge right and the why is that question is like why are they treating us in this messed up way when there's this long history and it's in the books that quote unquote, these people are also reading and, and saying are, are, are good books. So he just blew my mind with that song. It's a good beat, I like the music, and I just love the knowledge dropping. And it was more like energetic, in your face, one-two punch, than Killer Priest. He's still like that braggadocio, you know, I am the MC, but instead of just, it's all about me and my ego, it's also that I am this person because I have these blessings. According to Genesis chapter 10, Egyptians descended from and it was like a, it's like social commentary right so you would be watching the news and then you watch this alternate news like uh like chuck d said and you're 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 more aligned with what you're hearing these MCs say. And so for me, I was finding out more about America, even, but I was living here and I was like, you know, I was operating just like anybody else. So I was getting it from everybody just like any other kid, but I was learning more about places that I wasn't in through this. I was able to connect with more people because of this. It's, it's kind of the doorway into so many things. So you listen, you learn, you understand, and then you meet somebody who's different than you and you can connect automatically. So you learn on the, the first level is through the music. The second level is through engagement with people. I'm breaking with kids in high school and one of them, maybe his story wasn't even true, but supposedly he came out of prison and his family moved into the suburbs or whatever, you know, because he was in, uh, in juvie and he taught us how to break. And it's like you have these experiences that relate to the music, but then they relate to your real life as well. And I think that's the important bridge because I don't think it's the same for kids in the suburbs listening to hip hop and then never engaging and just being a fan versus using it to then delve into something and have parallels with people and engage with them. And then it's not just about America or social commentary or political stuff. It's also introspection and self-reflection. A lot of hip hop to me was all about thinking about yourself and who you are. I mean, it's so lyrical that you can go really, 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 really deep into some things more than songs that have so much of a repetitive nature. And, and they can be deep too on, on their own, but I just felt like I learned so much about other people, about the country that I was in, about the things that I was surrounded with, and about myself. And whereas hip-hop, I feel, for a lot of my friends, led them to a lifestyle that wasn't positive necessarily, whatever that word means, 
to me, it almost kept me like a straight edge. You know what I mean? Listening to Karis One, I can't forget because it kept me away from wanting to smoke up or drink or do any of that. And of course, it, that really goes back to the spiritual background that I come from more than anything, the martial arts discipline. But hip hop helped me reinforce that by some of the stuff that I was listening to. So I went to college in 98. Even in high school, I was always like the hip hop head, right? And that was cool, but it, it's also a lonely place to be sometimes because like how many times can you tell people that they should listen to something and then they don't and then it's like you're the only one listening to the music that you're listening to, right? I could listen to my headphones, but it gets boring doing it alone, which is what inspired me to be a DJ, honestly. It was just because I wanted to share music with other people. So I, I ended up DJing in college at some point and what I also realized was I would go to hip hop concerts and I would see the same people there. Like there was like this, this staple people, but we wouldn't talk really. We just, we might give each other a head nod, but it wasn't like we were a community of people. So I started DJing and at the same, and, and a year later I was like, you know what? I see all these same people everywhere. And I also see all these student organizations, these really crappy student organizations. To me, they were basically segregating people on campus, right? Black students here, Latino students here, Indian students here. So to me, it's like hip hop was the universal language. And I saw all these people that were diverse at all these concerts, but we didn't talk. So it was like, okay, why don't we just start a, a student organization? Everybody else has a student organization. We believe hip hop is a culture. We're gonna have a student organization too. called UC Hip Hop at first, UC and also Urbana-Champaign. And soon it turned into a Hip Hop Congress chapter, so we just called it UC Hip Hop Congress. Because we heard about Hip Hop Congress, other students were doing the same, and I think that was a great thing about Hip Hop was, Hip Hop was bringing us all together, and it really felt that it was beyond race, beyond religion, and it ended up being beyond music, honestly, because there was these cats that didn't even really listen to Hip Hop music. They were house heads, but they were DJs, or they were into like drum and bass. But it was the only place where you could come and be who you are and not have to wear like your skin color on your sleeve or your like religious perspective or other things. And we just blew up like all of a sudden everybody wants us to perform. We're doing stuff on the quad. And I mean, it's been 10 to 12 years and it's still around. So to me, it was like, man, that's what's up. You know what I mean? We started something and, and, and it kind of worked. On the other side of things, my spiritual path, I was still a straight edge, right? I wasn't trying to do something that would disappoint my parents. I, I, I could put it that way, I guess. I was at colleges, I went to parties and everything, but I was a kid who would never drink. I wasn't trying to go home with any girl or anything. I had a lot of female friends, but that was good enough. So I, I was a different college kid compared to everybody else that was around me. But I didn't get involved in the Muslim Students Association either, because to me that seemed kind of foreign. And I was struggling with my own spirituality. And eventually I came to terms and I was like, you know what? If nothing else, whether there's a heaven or hell, whether there's anything, if nothing else, I can agree that the discipline and the way of life that Islam teaches is good. 
And even if none of this is real, when I die on my deathbed, if I've lived a good life in the, in the eyes of Islam, I'd, I would have lived a great life and I would be satisfied and content. And dying in peace, to me, would be like the equivalent of heaven, right? Because I, that's my last moment on this earth and I'm cool with what I've done, I've made amends. So that's where Islam started becoming a real thing. I started getting back into the stories of the prophets, the great kind of saints and sages of Islam. And I was like, even if these stories aren't true, it doesn't matter to me because it's the story and the lesson that I learned. So it was like, man, there's no argument in religion in that case. It's just, it's just parables, lessons, and it's just good. I started getting up and praying the, the morning prayer every morning and I would go to the mosque to do it. And at that point I thought it was whatever normal, I would go running afterwards. And I think just on reflection that some doing something like that and that intentional really changed a lot for me. And I never saw these worlds coming together. I always thought that this is my spiritual life, this is my hip-hop life. And people know that when I'm at the party DJing at a house party, they try to give me some alcohol and I won't drink it and they'll try to coerce me, but they'll know that, hey, Asa doesn't do that, he's Muslim. That was the extent of like my Islam and my Muslim influence into hip-hop. Then the, uh, the Muslim Student Association approached me and said, you know what, you're a DJ, why don't you DJ an event for us that's called a spring camp or something? And I was like, very interesting, because music to them is just like almost like a taboo type of thing, right? And I was like, man, what should I do? I, I like what battle DJs do, I like what turntablists do, but it's all about like battling against each other, right? And I could care less. Why don't I do something that's ages old and it's called Vicar, which is like the remembrance of God? Why don't I, instead of battling, praise God through turntablism? So I put together this set and I was like, yo, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it was probably one of the worst DJ sets I've done in retrospect, but people liked it at the time. It was interesting because I thought I did the best thing I could do as a DJ. I did a praise to God. How can anybody question that, right? And cats came up to me and I could tell that they were uncomfortable. And they're like, that's cool, but make sure you never include the Quran in it. Or that's cool, but, but. And I was like, man, this is really weird. I thought I did something that you guys would appreciate, yet I'm getting some kind of like passive aggressive criticism about it. But at the same time, I met Rami Nashashibi from Iman because he was at our college as a speaker and he saw it and he was like, yo, that's pretty cool. Holler at me when you get back to Chicago because I was graduating soon. And I was like, okay. So that kind of like, that was the sowing of the seeds of my relationship with Iman. I started then exploring how Islam in my life, and I knew it was all influenced in hip hop, can affect me in the community as well, and how I can kind of start merging those things together. And that was like the first inkling I got of it. But what was really happening was that 
Hip Hop Congress also taught me how to community organize, really. I was bringing together different people from different walks of life that had shared values and trying to do something with them. So 9-11 happened, and that is my junior or senior year in college. I remember waking up to the radio because I had a radio alarm. And the first thing I hear on it is two planes have crashed into. And honestly, the first thing I, I think is, I hope it's not some Muslims. You know what I mean? Who did it? Because I knew that the retribution for that would be huge. And I, I think people forget, but things weren't cool with Muslims and extremism before this either. There had been attempts before. And, and for me to think, I hope it's not Muslims, means that there was this idea that something was going on. And if you listen to Rakim's Casualties of War, you know that he says something about like kamikazes wanting revenge for Saddam G, and they're crashing into buildings. So to me, it's like this dude is predicting this like 10 years before it happens, meaning that the social anxiety is there already. So yeah, it's a surprise anytime lives are taken and innocents are killed, which by the way happens all over the world all the time, and it's unfortunate, but we don't, we don't shed as much light on it. But when it happens and people are surprised, for me it was like the, the death and the massacre is surprising. But the conflict between certain parts of the world is not something new. The war is over, but now at least just because they lost it don't mean it's peace. It's a long way home, it's a lot to think about. Whole generation left in doubt. Innocent families killed in the best. It'll be more dead people after this. So I'm glad to be alive and walking. Half of my platoon came home and coughing. I sent the general buried in the storm. And bits and pieces, no need to look for them. I played it slick and got away with it. Picked it up so they would think they did it. Now I'm home on reserves and you can bet when they call, I'm going eight war. Cause it ain't no way I'm going back to war. When I don't know who or what I'm fighting for. So I wait for terrorists to attack. Every time a truck backfires, I fire back. I look for shelter when the plane is over me. Remember Pearl Harbor, New York, the Yogi. And before you can even digest what's happened and like how great of a tra tragedy it is, people start getting hurt, even on campus. And I remember there was a Sikh guy who got hurt, and he's a Sikh, and it's like, what does he have to do with this? I mean, and really, what do any of us have to do with it? We're college students. What ended up happening is that the hip-hop community organized really quickly hip-hop, not war type of stuff. Um, and the students came together and started standing up for people who were getting now racially profiled. So it's like we went from, man, this is tragedy happening in our country, to, whoa, now there's another tragedy about to happen, which is, People are sense senselessly being killed. So it's kind of like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth about it is happening right in front of us. So that was like, okay, now you have to step into the fold like a hundred times more. Now it's not like you're just that Muslim kid who doesn't drink. Now it's like you're representing a whole community of people and you're trying to be like, okay, this isn't what Islam speaks about. The killing of any innocent lives is completely wrong. Killing of one person is like killing of all of humanity. You shouldn't be infringing on the rights of people that had nothing to do with this. So I think what that did was it made a lot of hip-hoppers active. George Bush's presidency definitely made a lot of hip-hoppers more politically conscious and active. And it really made me think about beyond being Muslim spiritually, being Muslim in identity. And that was the first time like I had to start saying, you know what? It's not just a cool thing because people like Malcolm X, but I have to do this because I have to be a representative of a Muslim who's peaceful, cool, 
understands other people, has parallels, and is pretty pacifist type of guy. So the last song, she rock and feel smooth, Troy, they reminisce over you. And the interesting thing about this song to me is, this is the one that speaks to my heart. It's the sample from Tom Scott, it's the lyrics, it's the, again, reminiscing feeling, obviously the reminisce over you, feeling of reflection in the past, and also that melancholy feeling. And I, feel, I almost feel like sad love songs or melancholy songs that still make you feel good at the end of the day, are like the best, right? Because it's like the feeling isn't like this happy, jubilant celebration, but it's kind of like, you know what? Life is tough, but it's still all good. We're gonna, we, we keep it moving. I like it as an ode to somebody who's passed, but I also like it as like a reflection on life, on being a man. And I think it's one of those songs where when it comes on, it's just like, as soon as you hear that melody, it's like, man, this it, it takes you to another place. It's the song that I can go to when I'm having that kind of needing to reminisce feeling. And I, as soon as I put it on, it's like the hairs on my arm will stand up. I almost get chills every single time. It's just like, oh, it's on. You know, and it's like, it's a song I know, obviously, like it's always in the back of my mind. And when you talk about it, I won't get that. But when, as soon as it comes on, no matter what, even if I'm expecting it to come on, it always gives me that feeling of like, whoa, you know, there's something happening. The frequencies of the music they are changing my physical makeup. I reminisce for a spell, or shall I say think back? 22 years ago to keep it on track. The birth of a child on the 8th of October. A toast when my granddaddy came sober. Count all the fingers and the toes. Now I suppose you hope the little black boy grows. 18 years younger than my mama. But I really got beaten with the girl of trauma. In single parenthood, there I stood. By the time she was 21, had another one. This one's a girl. Let's name a Pam father is the first, but you don't give a damn. Right. Irresponsible, plain not thinking. Yeah. Papa said yeah. chill, but the brother keep winking. Uh -huh. Still he won't down, you will tear out your hide. Uh -huh. On your side while the baby make us slide. Uh -huh. But mama got wise to the game. Uh -huh. The youngest of five kids, hun, here it is. Yeah. After ten years without no spouse, yeah. mama's getting married in the house. I guess it makes me think about the fact that when somebody passes away in my cultural, spiritual tradition, there's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of crying, like public crying and limitation. I always thought that was kind of a little bit weird because it's like if spiritually you believe that they're now in a better place in some way, shape or form, and they live like a good life that you want to celebrate, crying for them is really just out of your own self, like missing them. So wouldn't it be better to like do a tribute type of thing or like reminisce in this way? And that's where they reminisce over you speaks to me about in like the reminisce part of it. But it's also a celebration of life, and that's how it starts out. So it's kind of like you start with the first couple of verses about the celebration of life, and then you end it with like telling someone, like, look, we reminisce over you. So it's like life is going on, we're celebrating life, but your memory is, it lives on within that. And that merging of it allows you to still feel like that sadness in your heart about, yo, this person is gone, and all things are temporary, but at the same time, we can be content. Like anytime I listen to that song, it makes me feel like everything's not perfect and never will be. Life just continues and it's
gonna be all right. I reminisce so you never forget this. The days are way back, so many bear witness the fitness. Yeah. Take the first letter out of each word in this joint. Listen close as I prove my point. T to the R O Y, how did you and I meet in front of big blues fighting in the street? But only you saw what took many time to see. I dedicate this to you for believing in me. Rain or shine, yes, in any weather. My grandma Pam holds the family together. My uncle Doc's the greatest, better get the latest. If we're talking about a car, Uncle Sterling got the latest. I strive to be live because I got no choice and run my own business like my aunt Joyce yeah. so Pete Rock hit me no respect to when they reminisce over you all of this like building up for me transforms me in my life in such a way that I used to be the biggest Wu-Tang fan I, li I like me some cool G rap you know what I mean and all this and now I can't listen to that because something about listening to it like allows me to be complicit with the fact that Wu-Tang was really misogynistic and racist in some of their stuff period you know what I mean? I can quote lyrics. I can't be cool with that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I'm a grown man. And if I'm going to be okay with that, then I have to be okay with somebody else on the radio saying the same thing right now. Otherwise, I'm just not being real. So that's why I say some things make me uncomfortable now that never would have before either. Because I'm really trying, and I'm not a perfect person by any means or anything like that, but I'm really trying to think about why it is that hip hop so much is allowed to have a pass. I'm saying some really like, downgrading things in the music to certain groups of people and that being okay and that being okay with the conscious community as well and us laughing about it at times. Now that I'm like in a social justice framework it's like no way it is a big deal I'm sorry you know I'm trying to have kids in a family one day it's just got to be different. So I, I think the thing is for me, I've gone deeper into a spiritual path and into music as well. And if you ask me what I listen to on a daily basis, it's like Sufi spiritual music that gets kind of buck wild with like the ecstasy that they have in the music. And they have a lot of metaphors to all sorts of things and really clever rhymes. And to me, they're almost like, they're almost like MCs, you know, they got, they have poetry that they put to music. It's really old poetry. They're clever with it. They make metaphors. They have punchlines and they have crowd interaction. It's heavily based on the drum. And they even battle sometimes. Like I've heard like different koals, like not right there, but somebody will release a song. Somebody will release a, a song like, and it's, but it's all, um, it's all about at the end of the day, the praise of God. Uh, and, and it's not like gospel music or anything. It, it's hard to describe because a lot of Muslims won't agree with it either, but it's kind of like a transforming music and all. So all that to say that my vision of hip-hop has changed a lot. And as a DJ, realizing that it's hard to, 
to find a lot of good hip hop coming out now. You don't want to just spin older stuff. So I'm really into global music as well, Afrobeat, Brazilian stuff, South Asian stuff. And I feel for me, all of that is hip hop living and moving beyond a genre of music. Because I can't, I can't, I can't say that any form, any genre of music continues on. You know, I mean, look at jazz and the way it kind of, unless you're listening to some classic stuff. Jazz now is something very different, and I think hip hop now is going to become very different. Like we can't keep holding on to like, oh, keep it true school or whatever. It's going to change, and it may not even be called hip hop as a music form. And if we're okay with that, then hip hop culture can stay alive. If we're not okay with that, then hip hop music is going to sound corny ten years from now, even with people that we like. So I think about these things about hip hop and how it relates to like my work that I did at Iman, how it relates to spirituality, and how hip hop can really be a tool of transformation for communities. Not just the music that we listen to. So from 2007 to 2012, my mind opened up on another level because now I was I became the director of arts and culture at Iman, and a director of arts and culture cannot just do hip hop music and expect to be a director of arts and culture of a nonprofit. So I started exploring other forms of music. I'd always been into other music as well, but presenting, really thinking about art professionally and music. And that helped me grow a lot. It helped me grow in my spirituality to think about, well, it's an Iman event, so I can't have somebody performing that's gonna do X, Y, and Z. And it helped me like create almost like an alternative hip hop ecosystem that everybody came to. And it's like, you didn't have to be Muslim to come, people just came, but now you could come to an event that ended at 10 or 11, so you can bring your family, you can bring kids. It was positive, positive music. You know, you didn't have the drunk MC that really wants to get on stage and has nothing to say. And it changed the way that I thought we could do hip hop. And so it was an inspiring time. It was a time for me to get spiritually reconnected. And it was a time for me to understand that art, music, culture are a way of bringing people together. And they're powerful tools. But in and of themselves, they're just a tool. I mean, they're, they're a communication mechanism. They're there, but it's really humans that make them what they are. And we can use that for positive, neutral, or negative. I'm informed by hip-hop and that's my foundation but I can't always say that to people because when I say that they think oh you're into hip-hop boom bap this that whatever right they have to have this connotation and to me it's like hip-hop as a foundation doesn't mean that I'm just into hip-hop music so to be honest I have like this love-hate relationship with hip-hop because the problem is I go places and I'm a complex individual and if they know me for my hip-hop stuff 
they'll be like, oh yeah, you're into hip hop, right? Or try to play me some hip hop music or make it very like hip hop centric. And it's like, that's just as much as an identity of me is like, if I go somewhere, are you going to feed me Pakistani or Indian food? You know what I mean? Are you going to like play the Quran when I walk in? Cause I'm a Muslim, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's complex parts of my identity, but that's not all that I am. And so I, I've been traveling the world with like a Sudanese singer, an oud player, a, some b-boys, myself as a DJ, and we play like all sorts of music, but everybody wants to like label us as a hip-hop group. And for us, that's cool, but it's like, man, we're, uh, we're beyond any categorization. And I'm hoping that hip-hop comes back to that where it's like, look, there was no hip-hop music when Bambada and Flash and Cool Herc were spinning because we were taking soul and funk and turning into whatever they wanted to be. I think that's the great thing about hip-hop is that if we keep it alive in the way it should be, it can take whatever's there and transform it into something else. And people can call it what they want for all I'm concerned with. It's still going to be something that's like within my soul, my spirit, and my heart. I see the good Lord made me what I am and I play this game for keeps. Gotta use what I have to get what I want. All the dream I got is his dream. And the good Lord made me what I am and I play the hand I'm dealt. Says sometimes the hardest thing to be in this world is just yourself. Best believe the Quran influenced all of my songs. My fans run a tattoo them all on their arms. Wanna travel, be there every time I perform. Now look me in my eye and tell me how am I wrong? And who would have thought? Just giving them the truth from my heart, both the ugly and the beautiful part. We give them food from thought, let them chew it apart. And they'd all crowd around me and my movement would start. And how you gonna hate me for being what God made me? I think hip hop matters because it allows us to transform our existence and communicate our reality. And I think that as a tool is extremely important. With it, we can do whatever we want, we can change the world. For me, in my lifetime and in the generations that are around us, I think hip-hop has been one of the only tools to do that, regardless of the other backgrounds or social constructs that we come from.